Welcome to Bothering the Band. My name is Ryan Beinek. With me, as always, is the brains, brawn, and heart behind this podcast, Abigail Ann Levy. Abby, are you excited for today's guest? So very excited. Oh, my God. So excited. Um, we talk about it in the episode, but it is, you know, kismet, fate, whatever you want to say. And uh, this intro isn't even going to do it justice. Ladies and gentlemen, Bothering the Band with Dan Mangan. Dan. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Bothering the Band, my man. Thank you. Thank you for having me at long last. At long last. Did you tie a string around your finger? And I put a big post-it note on my forehead. (laughs) Oh, I mean, dude, thank you so much for being here and sticking with us. How was the Euro tour? Oh, it was amazing. Well, thank you for your patience with my derelict ways. Um, Yeah, uh, the Europe was amazing. It's uh, it's kind of like a, it feels like a big endeavor to launch a tour all the way over there right now. Um, things, you know, as much as things are back to normal, they're not. Yeah. In the in the touring world, um, ticket sales are just low across the board, like 70 percent of where they should be. Um, and it's still, you know, people are still dealing with all of the stuff. Uh, you know, the consequence of potentially canceling shows or you know everything. So. Man, I hope that evens out or not even, or, you know, goes up because as music geeks, Abby and I, we, uh, the more, it sounds crass, but the more success you have, the more chances we have of seeing you live. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. Like I, I was feeling anxious about heading over there and I, I kind of had the thought that if I was to like, do something crazy and cancel the Europe tour or something. And um, I might never go back, you know, <laughs> like that could, that might be it. Yeah. Um, and so I'm really glad that I did because it felt like um, sort of rekindled the fire, you know, and um, man, people came out great. There's some, somebody flew to like six shows on the tour. There were people who came to two, three, four shows along the way. Um, and it's amazing to be in like Switzerland and seeing Swiss people singing every word of your songs back at you, you know, it's like, uh, it's affirming in a lot of ways because you, when you spend a lot of time in your basement, like I do in my studio here, like you, you start to feel like all you have is your songs and like, you know, your social media as a means to sort of communicate with the world. And it's so validating to be in a room with people and human beings and, you know, do the thing that you know you're supposed to do and that you were sort of born to do. And feeling that affirmation is uh, is good. It's good to be back. Yeah, uh, we identify with that wholeheartedly. That's why we started this thing, because in the beginning of the pandemic, I had this crazy idea. Abby helped out, you know, jumped on it. And with the goal of uh, coming together, without coming together and then also just uh trying to shoehorn our way into being friends with our favorite musicians uh, <laughs> and but yeah so i'm isolated in like uh fatherhood and then mm. abby is currently is isolated in a winter wonderland um, and i think you have both of those things correct 
Yeah, uh, I've got two boys. I've got a six-year-old and a nine-year-old. Um, uh, so we're we're through the like diapers madness, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's a special kind of like I, I don't know how old your kid or kids are, but um, that that first five years, it feels like you're in a trench in World War One, and someone's like, "Oh, like have you seen the new episode of something?" And you're like, "Oh, hold on." And a grenade comes in, and so you grab the grenade and you like throw it back out the trench, and you're like, "Oh yeah, no, I haven't seen that," you know. And there's like, um, you're constantly like, there's just grenades coming into the trench, and you can't really like, you know, you were thinking of going for a run, but then a grenade came in, and you had to throw it out. It's like, there's just you're just putting out whatever fire is directly in front of you, and the idea of like, the greater world or self-preservation or mental health is just, it's like, there's no time for that. Yeah, I'm through the woods too. Uh, my daughter's eight, and I, I might get you know some hate mail, mother parental hate mail for this. But um, once the diapers and the bottles stop, it's a it's a game changer. Oh, it yeah. is, and they can start once they start talking and community. It's it becomes so much more fun. And I know people love babies and yada yada yada, and- but. I love babies. Like I love other people's babies now, you know, like I want to hold all the babies and, and play. And I'm, the truth is that I'm probably better at playing with babies than I am with like older kids or, or toddlers anyways, you know, like there's um, babies are, are amazing and they're life affirming and all these kinds of special ways, but it's just hard and it's just all consuming. And yeah, like the, it, it, it there's pros and cons to all of that, but you could the thing is that you just you couldn't sustain that like being with babies you couldn't sustain it forever like you're just the rest of your life would just fall apart you and that's why not. it's yeah like it's like a that's why it's a that's a, it's only a few years and then when you look back you're like ah it feels like five minutes ago they were just born you know yeah um, but it's because of all the sleep deprivation you don't remember anything do you do you find this I I never know how to talk to other people's kids. Like my kid, I you know I'm a goofball. I we're 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 like best friends. The minute another kid comes into like the frame, I'm like, I become like a like a bad actor in like a <laughs> in like a 80s like you're like uh, Jim Clare and Jim Carrey in what is it that liar liar and he's like yeah. doing the claw and the claw like he's trying to do the claw thing and it's like not we're not working. It's a little awkward, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you dug into or or did any exploring into bothering the band, but we have a boatload of silly questions for you. Ready? Okay. Yeah, let's let's do it. How do you spell color? With a U. Ah, I love it. We have a lot of uh, Canadians on the pod, and where are you where are you based right now? I'm in Vancouver. Okay, cool. Where are you guys? Abigail. I'm in Wyoming. Ah. She's in Wyoming. Uh, are you getting snow, Dan? There was snow, um, and now it's gone, and then it's going to come back in the next couple of days. But Vancouver, by and large, we get like three weeks of snow a year. It's like pretty pretty chill here. I know Wyoming probably gets a bit more than that. Yeah, they started getting snow in May. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me ask you this if you've ever done this because I had a solidarity moment with parenting um, Abby needs a little solidarity right now have you ever had to get snow off of a roof yeah yeah of course yeah there's there's there's, there's moments where you know you're worried that it's gonna I, I when I when I was young uh, 
we lived, uh, I was actually born up in Smithers, BC, which is way up north. And there's, you know, sometimes you get like eight feet of snow kind of thing. There's like stories of the front door being snowed in kind of thing. Um, but I also lived in, in rural Ontario and they get proper snow there. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like that, like Wyoming, um, like, uh, Minnesota, uh, there's, there's some solid air. It's like, it's almost Canada in, in a way, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, it's, uh, you even, even the, like, don't, you know, it's like a little bit Canadian, you know, the lilt. I just can't even wrap my sometimes we'll we'll talk um and then she'll say something i can't even wrap my head around it i'm in south florida via new york so mm. even when it would snow in new york city there's people in trucks that come out and you wake up and it's all gone yeah um so today she had to get some snow off her effing roof <laughs> Ugh, some snow is a very funny way to put that hey it's I'm, probably beautiful no, I think the beauty left in like October. Yes, I had to take four feet of snow off my roof today. Oh my god! Where Do did you, you put ha- it? All around the house. I have a metal roof. I live in an A-frame, so it should slide by itself. But it's got a big ice dam underneath it, and it won't fall. So Sticks. I had to roof rake it all down. Did you make a fort of any kind? I was far too angry for that. Okay. <laughs> Moving on, let's uh, change the subject. Do you have a fire escape? Um, you know what? I've been uh, thinking that we probably should get some of those like ladders that roll up, like a rope yeah. ladder, and then that hang off. We don't have, but you know, if there was a fire in our house, we'd be in trouble. So, uh, thank you for the reminder. I'm going to purchase some ladders uh, as soon as we're done here. Uh, yeah, you'll see some. Uh, questions in reference to some tunes and some albums here as well do you have a side door to your house (laughs) i do have a side door to my house yeah and and let me ask you this so growing up abby and i grew up in a part of the country where that was your main door the side door is that how it is for you no not at all um the side door is like sort of like my so in 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 my basement here is where my studio is Mm -hmm. um the side door is like a mud room and then there's like basically that's that's where I cart gear in and out of, you know, if I'm putting stuff in the car or whatever. It's kind of, I'm pretty sure I'm the only person who uses it 80% of the time. Side doors. <laughs> okay. Keep in mind, bothering the band, real stupid questions. If you had a robot butler, what would you name it? Oh, good. Good question. Important question. Um, God, it's you know what's so sad is that like the first thing that came to my mind is you know like oh Jeeves or something like that, which is so typical and ridiculous. Um, but I think I'd want to be more more thoughtful than that. I'd probably name it. Um, thanks. So then thanks. You know, thanks. Thanks. I like that. That's pretty clever. Abby, let's bring you into this one. If you had a butler, what would you name it? My first thought went to the Jetsons and Rosie, Rosie. the robot. Mm. Um, because my fem- mine's going to be female. So I'm going to go with Rosie. Mine would was you- female too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> would you dress the robot with the in like feminine clothing? 
<laughs> it's my, actually sorry. My robot is non non-binary, so it's oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> and it it wears lots of multicolored clothing, blue and pink at the same time. Yeah, I think I'd go ahead. Oh, I was just say his robot wins. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say something like a androgynous name, like Sam. Yeah, Jordan. Jordan. Pat. Pat. I would want a robot version of It's Pat from That's That's where that came from. <laughs> think of is you know, think about how things change, right? Like when Pat was on Saturday Night Live, the funny thing about that was that we didn't know if Pat was a boy or a girl. And it's like fast forward to now, you know, that's like that's not a that's not like an ambiguous thing. That's like something that somebody is and no longer has to like hide from the world. Um, it's amazing how like some humor, when you look back, it just wouldn't fly today, you know, mm -hmm. and some does. Um, but then some humor just is timeless, like princess bride or, you know, like you just can't, Yeah, it's like infallible. Um, but I even like, I'm a big Rob Reiner fan and I always talk about how in like five or six years he made spinal tap, uh, princess bride stand by me. And when Harry met Sally in like six years, made like four completely different genre films that, that were all redefined and, you know, changed film forever kind of thing. Um, but it was interesting because I rewatched Stand By Me a little while ago, and it's still like a perfect movie in every way. Except there's like there's not a single non-white character in that film. And then you think, well, but it's supposed to be like 1950s small town you know, America. And then you're like, okay, well maybe that's forgivable. Cause it's like a period piece to a time when there probably weren't many non-white people in those towns and stuff. But it's, uh, it's amazing how quickly things change. Like, you know, even just thinking about like Ellen came out, what, like 25 years ago or something like that. And like, think about how different a world it is for gay people now than it was then. Like she was raked through the mud, like, oh, what a disgusting woman, you know? <laughs> like, how, oh like, how dare she talk about that in front of the kids? Meanwhile, the kids are like, ah, I think I'm gay too, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's amazing how, you know, like in, in, the, in all of the last thousand years, like how far we've come in like 20 years. Oh, it's, it's if you even think about, like you were saying, 20, 20 years, 15 years, um, queers folk and queer eye for the straight guy like those were like whoa groundbreaking however that i feel like in the media they were groundbreaking as a human on earth we were like oh yeah there's just yeah my so my mom people everywhere that's these people that i know you know yeah like my, my mom was married to two men and then married a woman and um when my nine-year-old was like two or three he was like kind of figuring it out. And he's like, okay, so most of the time men and women get married, but, but Grammy and Nana are married. They're both women. And I remember it so clearly we were in the car. I was like, yeah, most of the time men and women get married. That's true. But sometimes men marry men and sometimes women marry women. Uh, and he was like, okay, like that was it. Like, you know, like it wasn't like a big deal. And that's like, you know, anytime you get like, you know, hardcore, like, you know, sort of right wing fascist Christians, like talking about the sanctity of marriage and all this stuff. And it's just like, 
Like, what about the children? Who's going to explain this to the children? Like, the children don't care. The children, you care. You care. Like, you can explain this to kids in five seconds. They'll be like, yeah, whatever. Fine. Cool. You know. Oh, 100%. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Okay, we have to move on uh, from the politics. Um, So... We asked the robot question. I have to say, when I first moved to Florida, the uh, car I got came with um, ex- or like serious satellite radio, and mm. the best radio station was The Verge. Yeah. Still and I is. heard this. It still is. That's the only thing I listen to, like that and the Pearl Jam one. You know, <laughs> and this was seven seven years ago or whatever. And Robots was on rotation, and I was like, this fucking song and i remember just telling my friends back in new york like listen to this shit listen to this shit um so that's my little sentimental moment cool and love that another another little sent the the new album is bananas it's so good it's fire (laughs) as the kids say whatever lit lit there we go it's gas i like gas that's good (laughs) i haven't heard that oh yeah that shit is gas that might be like a that's like a florida weed reference i think Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. I think it's the best thing that I've done. Um, and I'm very, very, very proud of it. And it's, you know, putting out music today, there's so much music. It's so hard to get any attention. And like all of the media is gone and it's just about TikTok. And um, like releasing music feels like you're taking like this cup of water and then you're pouring it into the ocean and then like praying someone might swim through it. You know, it's like there's just so much music and it's so hard to cut through that um, it's strange to feel like you're putting out your your best work and that, you know, the whole world should hear this. God damn it. Um, But it's really hard. It's hard to get it out there. So I I really appreciate that you've spent the time with it and um, dug in. That means a lot to me. Yeah, it's so good. I, I mean, your metaphors are also very good on in the record and right here. With <laughs> I was the about trench to say that. And the glass of water. My, my mom, my, my wife, she's always like, okay, enough, enough with the metaphors. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't help it. It's like ingrained in me. No, I, I'm going to start calling you when I need a metaphor. Yeah. yeah. What's it like when you kind of, yeah. <laughs> That's what I do for a living is I, I'm a copywriter and I all I all I do is puns and metaphors. That's that's ninety percent of it. So I'm so you, you work for BuzzFeed. <laughs> no. <Yes. laughs> no. The other ten percent of it is Seinfeld references. Oh yes. great. Yeah. I yep. love that. Get um, out. I, t- <laughs> I I try to shoehorn a lot of music in as well. Um I was gonna say something, I lost it, but metaphors, something like oh, my daughter recently asked me what a metaphor was and it was easier to describe gay marriage than what metaphor yeah, right. as a writer i was like uh it's like comparing two things she's like you got to give me more than this yeah like, shit well yeah it's like it's hard it is hard i'm sure that there is a description you know that that is concise you know if you look up webster's or whatever but like it's tricky because it's not comparing two things. You could be like com- comparing an apple and orange. Well, an orange is orange and an apple is red. And, you know, it's like trying to describe one state of affairs using an example of a different state of affairs almost. You know, it's oh. like some kind of thing like that. But 
It's also like good try, try, try. It's like like try and um, trying to define irony to a five year old. I can't define irony as an adult. Every time I'm like, that's ironic. Someone's like, no, it's not. Yeah. Well, and the song ironic. Not ironic. Well, some of them are. Ten thousand spoons when all you need is a knife. That's ironic. A black fly in your chardonnay. Not ironic. Just annoying. Just annoying. Rain she, on your know. wedding day. Not ironic. You know. Good luck. I don't know if you've seen this, but she was on some late night show sometime in like the last five years or so where she sang a song about how that song wasn't ironic like she to that tune yeah that's great um and she replaced a couple things and was like now this is ironic yeah well and then so there's that there's that definition of irony which is sort of like you know hard to explain i can't even explain it right now but then there's the other definition of irony which is like culture that is ironic like when you see the barista wearing like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles t-shirt, they're wearing it ironically. Um, and I don't know why. I don't know. I don't. I can't like. I can't really explain that either. Like it's, it's hard. Here, you can explain it by, okay, they're of a generation that likes it, but wants to pretend they don't like it. Or they've never, they have no idea what it is. But the shirt itself harkens to some like, like I like a, a nostalgia that is cheesy, yeah. and by by wearing it with an earnest face, it is like ironic, <laughs> you know, because if they actually were just like a huge nerd and loved Teenage Ninja Turtles, like a or they were like six, you know, it wouldn't be ironic. When my kids wear like, you know, pajamas with superheroes on them or something like that, like that's not ironic. But if I wore them, it would be ironic. Yeah. This is the smartest episode we've done in a long time. <laughs> I used a ninja turtle to measure snowfall the other day. Amazing. Yeah. Well, I did. we're going to go to our weather correspondent. Well, it looks like we've got uh, about 19 Leonardos of fresh powder. It was Leonardo. <laughs> I had a feeling. It was Leonardo. He's um, the leader. And we had gotten a whole entire Leonardo's height worth of snow in Amazing. about five hours. So is this like a this is like a life-size cutout of Leonardo or, or is this just like a little little guy? Um when Ryan and I send each other gifts, we try to put the most ridiculous things you can find in said gift. And one of them contained a Leonardo action figure once upon a time. Perfect. That lives on my bookshelf. And the other day I was like, this is a perfect for scale. <laughs> Which turtle is your favorite? Raphael, come on. <laughs> really? Are you are you a middle child? Yes. Yes. But yeah. I don't have the classic like upbringing like classic middle child thing mm -hmm. i would say um abby might disagree with me we've known each other a very long time um but i saw a tweet the other day with like a a, a woman was explaining why she liked Le or Raphael, and i i can't remember it but it was something to do with this she was like i like everyone with attitude well so Raphael's the black sheep he's mm -hmm. the emotional one he's like um he never gets any credit. 
you know, sort of like um, feels uh, like they're living in the shadows and just sort of like goes out on their own and gets moody. He's like sort of like uh, I think of Raphael as like 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 in Footloose when he goes and he's like running through the warehouse and dancing and stuff like that, and like swinging on chains and stuff. Like that's something Raphael would do, you know, in a moment of passion. Okay. Michelangelo is like the class clown. Yeah. You know, the crazy one. He's like, he's like the, you go over to your friend's house and they're like six year old younger brother is like got his underwear on his head and he's running around mooning people and stuff. That's Michelangelo. Okay. So which are you two? Well, as a kid, I, you know, I always thought I liked Michelangelo because he was like the party guy. But I think probably I'm, I'm more serious than that. Um, not that I don't like to giggle and, and say stupid things, but I, I also, here, here's another example. When I was a kid, I thought I was like a John Lennon guy, you know, if you're picking your Beatles. And I loved John Lennon, and he was always so funny and quick, and all the songs were the weird ones. But then when I had kids, I started singing them Beatles songs, and every song I sing them is a Paul McCartney song because he wrote all the beautiful anthems, you know, and all the love songs and stuff. And, um, and I realized, you know, if I'm being truthful as an artist, I'm not mysterious. I'm not like, you know, I'm not like John Lennon. John Lennon was sort of like this dark artist, you know, kind of like moody, funny, quick guy. And Paul McCartney was like the nice guy. He's like the earnest, you know, he's almost kind of like a politician. Like he's just like, um, everyone loves Paul. Like, and if I'm being honest about what kind of artist I am, I'm not. I'm not like John Lennon, you know, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm like a, I'm an unveiled artist. Like you kind of, what you see is what you get. And, um, I've never, I've never been, uh, mysterious or intimidating in any way. I'm very transparent. And, uh, I mean, here I realize that it's ridiculous to liken yourself to Paul McCartney, the greatest songwriter, you know, in history, but, um, character wise in a band you know i realized that that's that is the, the role that i would play leonardo fair abby who are you leonardo yeah uh, i just wrote down ninja turtle archetypes in my notes mm -hmm. here <laughs> <laughs> wow this is this is real fun that's uh comparing here's comparing ninja turtle archetypes to the roles of the Beatles is, is so new one in this metaphor talking. is splinter George Martin. <laughs> I guess he would have to be. And shredder <laughs> is Mick Jagger. <laughs> oh man. This makes me think, have you ever heard of a band called the dirty Mac? Mm -mm. Look up the dirty Mac. It's John Lennon, Keith Richards, Eric Clapton, and I forget who the fourth person is. They only did a couple of songs. Hmm. Um, but like they have early traveling Wilburys. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, that's a fun rabbit hole to go down. So you mentioned Morissette. How do you say her first name? Alanis. Okay. How would, how would you say it? Abby, how do you say it? Well, now I have to say Alanis, but I would I, have said Alanis. Alanis? Yeah. Alanis. Are you insane? Alanis. I thought you were going to say like Alanis. <laughs> Alanis. Yeah. I, that's how I'm trying to think of what I would say without Alanis. him saying it first. 
Alanis. I would say Alanis probably. Alanis, I think that's how that? I grew up. That's how the radio said it. Hmm. I learned everything I need to know about the 90s from the radio. That's yeah, a, that's how the radio and my sister's Honda Prelude said it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I've never heard someone say Alanis Morissette, but now that you say that, I mean, I'm sure I have. Maybe it's a Canadian American thing, but she is Canadian. Yes. So, mm -hmm. you know, and it's only ever been Alanis up here. Oh, we got to get her mm. on the pod. What but was those, it when she was on that great TV show where they slimed everybody? Uh, you can't say that on television. Yes. Oh, that was the one. Man. Child star. And, your, and then, go ahead. No, go. No, 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 no. Your, your thing is going to be more interesting. I was going to ask you, who's your favorite Canadian? Oof. Favorite Canadian. Let's keep it like famous in, in yeah. pop culture. Because you could say your wife and children. Yeah, yeah. That would be boring. Um, <laughs> um, who's my favorite famous Canadian? Um, that's a good question. I don't – God, I don't know. I mean, there's some like – you know, there's all the icons like Joni Mitchell and Neil Young and Leonard mm -hmm. Cohen. Uh, and then there's like – if we're talking music, there's all the more recent like – Icons, the Shania Twain, Feist, um, Bieber, Weekend, Drake. <laughs> um, those are all our, our big exports, musical exports of the last couple of decades. Um, you forgot Justin Bieber. No, he I said, said it. No, I said, said Bieber. Oh, we did? Oh, I missed yeah. it. But I just referred to him as Bieber because we're on a last name basis. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I... Uh, God, I don't know. I mean, like, would it be a musician or would it be something else? There's, there are people out there you that haven't like, even tapped into comedians. I know. There's John like the, Candy, Mike Myers, Ryan Reynolds, Myers. Ryan Reynolds, Aykroyd. I mean, Lauren Michaels is from Canada. I know. There's so, so many. Um, did we say Jim Carrey already? No. That's another one. That's a good pool. We missed another one that I'm very surprised you have missed, Ryan. Norm MacDonald. Nope. Oh man. Yeah. Um, oh, that's a good one too. We're talking comedians? Movie star? Sort of. Movie star. Oh, Gosling. Nope. But what? that is also a good one. Rachel McAdams, your also Canadian. One. Speaking Ooh, okay. of Gosling. Ultimately, we were going for Michael J. Fox. Oh, oh yeah. Hey, you know, I saw the one of I, I'm not I'm it's funny I mentioned superheroes before. I'm not big on superhero movies and I, I really want Hollywood to move on and come up with some new ideas. But I did see one of one of the recent Spider Mans. Um the one where there's like three Spider Mans in it. Um Spider Man. No, well that's oh. amazing. And was also produced here in Vancouver in Canada. Uh, yeah. Into the Spider Verse. That movie's incredible. I love that one. That's the this, animated the one. The sequel to that, the trailer is out right now. I just watched it today. Oh, nice. Well, yeah, I yeah. I can't wait for that. I I thought that movie was just phenomenal. Um, but there, I watched like the live action one with Tom Holland, and he's so charming and so great. I love him. But I was like, this guy spent some time watching Michael J. Fox because. He is Michael J. Fox. Like his take on Spider-Man is like Marty McFly as Spider-Man. That's a think? really good. I have never thought about this, but now that you say it, his like 
I don't want to say bumbling because yeah. he's not bumbling. He's kind of bumbling, but, like, but he's 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 like a secret hunk. Like he like he's like he he's not like a super cool hunk. He's like um he's like the super he's he's like the the super sweet kid that you would love your daughter to bring home. You know what I mean for dinner. Yes. Um, Good hearted. Yeah, and he's got this sort of vocal fry thing that he does all the time in Spider-Man where he's like, oh, Mary Jane, you know, and, but it's the same vocal fry that Marty McFly did all over. Um, yeah, dad, 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 daddy-o. Yeah, but it, 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 there's something about how he delivers his lines. I was like, Tom Holland has studied Michael J. Fox for sure because he's he nails it. Like he, it, it was like, I don't know. I felt like I was watching Michael J. Fox do Spider-Man. Where's he from? Is he from, is oh, he British? Good thing you asked. He's from Vancouver. Oh, cool. Well, actually, Burnaby, which is like a suburb, but yeah. Wow. Man, again, the smartest. And Michael Buble lives right down the street, you know? I love a Buble. We've, uh, we have, we're, we're punching above our weight here in, uh, in Canada. Abby and I are always blown away by how much, like, currently in the past, whatever you want to say, just so much good music and art and culture comes out of Canada. Not blown, blown away is the wrong way to say it, but you know, Americans, we're the center of the universe for, for, for better, for worse. Yeah. And even on this pod, I would say 50% of the guests on this pod are from Canada. Yeah. And the only caveat I would add to that is like, we, uh, the, the amount of great talent and creativity and, and, and cool art coming out of Canada is amazing per capita like if you if you look like like america still is like this 360 degree waterfall of output you know like there's just so much historically like jazz and the blues and you know it's like america still has is like defining genres all the time and outputting more cultural pop culture than anyone then, you know, it's, it's, but Canada for like, we have a population that's like smaller than California. And yet, wow. you know, we, you know, if you look at most of the big names in pop music, you know, at the top of the charts, a lot of them are Canadian. It's wild. It's pretty mind blowing. It is. But the real chart toppers, like the real true dominating, you know, sort of pop icons, guess where they all live? LA America yeah yeah so they're like they go there to make it you know it's just that they're from Canada yeah um I feel like we could go down this we could take this left turn and keep going but I'm, I'm gonna steer us, left turns I'm gonna steer us back towards dumb questions because okay. uh America really wants to know do you like mangoes uh I do like mangoes yeah mangoes are great um I have a really nice way of cutting mangoes oh yeah yeah so you lay it on us. <laughs> I need you, to know this. <laughs> so the mango pit is quite flat, right? Mm -hmm. So you can like slice the mango. Uh, if you if you like stand it up tall on the counter, you could like slice down along one side of the pit, flip it, turn around the other, and you could get two really big, nice chunks of mango meat that way. And then the mango is in the skin. Now this is hard to do without a, a, a visual example, but now you've got two kind of like, you know, semicircles of mango surrounded by skin. Now, if you take a knife and you cut some cubes 
in there and then you fold the skin inside out now you've got this like perfect you can just like rip the chunks of mango right off the skin it's really nice without losing too much of it of the mango meat as that's so that's right put it. yeah the mango meat um and uh <laughs> you know you still have to like get off you it, it's still a bit of a chore to get the to really get it, the rest of it off the pit but mango's delicious as long as it's perfectly right i'm, I'm a oh. bit of a snob with some fruit like love a great apple but like you know i would sooner put tax in my eyes than eat like a mushy apple you know i just can't can't do it i can't do a mushy apple but however if you cut into a mango and it wasn't quite ripe mm-hmm. would you throw it away or, or eat it what would you do with it would you throw it in a smoothie i would i'd probably like uh yeah either put it in something like a smoothie or i'd leave it on the counter hoping that it would continue to ripen and then the next day i would come back find it ruined and throw it out yeah. but i would wait you know it's like um i wouldn't throw it out right away i'd wait a day or two and then throw it out you'd give it a shot yeah gotta give that mango meat a shot yeah that's right <laughs> oh goodness how do you feel about people who push cats and around in strollers? Um, I, uh, two things. I feel a little sad for them. The cats or the people? The people. Okay. The cat's fine. The cat's getting loved. You know, the cat, I'm sure that cat, if a cat's in a stroller, it's getting like premium cat food for sure. Yes. Um, I'm a little sad for them. However, I'm also uh, happy for them that they have found uh, a source of joy in in a godforsaken existence. You know that, like all of us, all we all we're all just looking for moments of respite from our own existential dread, and uh, and for them, maybe maybe that cat in the stroller is is really what's doing it. You know that. Good for them. They found it. They found the thing that that can make them happy. I okay. So the challenge now becomes: How do we get Dan to say, like, ask a question where he's just like, instead of giving a very diplomatic and poetic answer, he goes, "Yeah, fuck them. Fuck those people." (laughs) Like that's the goal. Okay. (laughs) Oh man. Um, we'll stick with the animals. What's the scariest animal in your opinion? Um, scariest animal is it twenty dollars? He says humans. <laughs> uh, humans are probably the most deranged animal. Um, I gotta say, I um, I once was on safari in um, South Africa, and I saw. I don't. I'm not saying that this is the scariest animal, but I saw a giraffe pretty up close. And giraffes my whole life in movies and animations are like cute, you know, they're like sweet. They're tall and lanky and they they just eat leaves and they're cute. But if you see a giraffe up close and it's like face is covered in mucus and like it's like its neck is just like pulsing with crazy veins and it's like giraffes are scary. And the thing is like they're massive, like they could really fuck you up if they wanted to. Um, so that was like the most surprisingly scary animal I've ever encountered. Um, 
but I mean, come on, like a, a grizzly bear, right? That's the Canadian answer. Yeah, that might be. I disagree. The, I think the moose are far scarier than the bears. The moose are pretty scary. Moose, yeah. Moose would be my answer. Have you ever mm -hmm. walked out to a moose in the yard with its baby in the dark while you're trying to get to work? That's some scary shit. I've almost, you know, I've like almost hit a moose on the highway, like going through, you know, the Rockies around um, Banff. And um, it was impressive. Again, like you think of animals as being cute and clean, but these animals are like trudging through the mud all the time and they're fucking filthy and they're snarling and they got like mucus all over their faces. And covered in ticks. They're covered in ticks and they're like kind of wet and greasy and they got weird oil in their fur to keep them warm and stuff. And um, yeah, I saw a Rocky Mountain sheep that was like, it's got, you know, the ones with those big swirling kind of twisty horns. Um, and it was right up close. It was like, you know, I slammed on the brakes. I almost hit it. And it was just standing on the highway staring at me. And it was like, it was not afraid of, of my vehicle. And it would just like looked right at me. And then slowly, ever so nonchalantly walked off the road. And uh, yeah, that was pretty scary. I'll give it to you. Have you seen the video of the kid feeding the giraffe and he gets lifted up and his parents like freak out? No, that's what that would favorites. be terrifying. He He's like, a, let go of the food. Yeah. And, the giraffe and he gets pretty high. He gets like eight feet in the air. And as he's brought what? Six, seven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Old enough to know to let go of the food. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably yeah. better that he hung on and his parents came and grabbed him. <laughs> but that if that happened, like if that happens to your kid, you would lose your mind. You know? Oh, I would. I terrifying. would cry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like, well, we're never going back to the zoo again. That's <laughs> the end of that. Um, so when you're writing the initial writing of lyrics, are you using a, a pen and paper? Are you using your phone? Are you using a computer? What's your... Uh, back in the day, pen and paper. Today, phone. Mm -hmm. But... If I'm writing every now and then I'll do like a, what we call a co-write, which is where you sit down with another songwriter and you kind of give yourself five hours to come up with something, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and in that situation, pen and paper. Okay. Because, because there's something tactile. It's like, we're doing this right now. I don't yeah. want to like punch things into my phone. I want to like, but the other thing that I've done is um, you can do like a Google doc on your phone at the same time as someone else. And you can like both, yeah. stuff into it it's kind of cool i'm not too obviously there's something like special about like a moleskin journal you know with a quill pen or something you know like there's something very earnest hemingway about writing things in a journal but i'm not overly sentimental about that and i'm 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 very much about like what gets you to the finish line in the best fashion yeah. um like I'm not, I'm not overly dogmatic about using like, synth, like digital synths or something. Like I, you know, I don't feel like it has to be analog or, um, I don't record using tape. Like I just feel like whatever gets you to the end, with the best result. The other That's day what... we learned that Snoop Dogg used to write his lyrics on a typewriter. Wow. That's how long there he's been go. going. <laughs> I met Snoop Dogg once 
um, on Willie Nelson's tour bus at Glastonbury. It was ridiculous. Um, and and uh, uh, Willie gifted Snoop a vaporizer and he was like, Snoop, you got to take care of your lungs. If you smoke through a vaporizer, it won't, you know, you're, it's not going to hurt, hurt your lungs so much. And Snoop was like, said so many funny things he's like he's like a walking meme you know he's just like everything he says is like a, like a hilarious thing but when he gets on the bus he sees willie and he goes i don't know what it is every time i'm around this man it's like i'm in heaven and then just like you know who says that like who says that in front but snoop does and that's why he's so awesome like think about how that would feel if somebody was like hanging out with you and they were like i don't know what it is it, every time i'm with you it's like i'm in heaven like what a beautiful thing to say to someone and it sounds like a joke almost but like nobody says that to each other like what a beautiful direct earnest and sweet thing to say to your friend like that's crazy that's amazing that's, that's what i feel right now hanging out with you dan ah i feel like i'm in heaven with you too <laughs> I couldn't tell if you were doing Willie Nelson or Snoop Dogg in that impression. Um, Either for, would have worked. For, formerly Willie with the Snoop, you gotta get a vaporizer. And then Snoop said, I don't know what it is. Every time I'm around this man. But they both kind of have a like a like a nasal thing going on. Yeah. So charming, both of them, man. Okay, so two questions. Did you partake with them? No, I was it was not offered. Um, okay. it was, it was a quick, it was, you know, it was just a few minutes and, um, I, I'm, I'm friends with Willie's daughter, Amy, mm -hmm. and she invited me backstage at the pyramid stage at Glastonbury. So I was kind of hanging out with her and then I met Snoop and then we were on this, we went back to Willie's tour bus and then Snoop got on before he went on stage, <clears throat> but it was like, they were having a moment. Like Willie was gifting this vaporizer to Snoop and they shot the shit for a few minutes and Snoop had to go get on stage. Um, but it was like, I was sort of, it was just me and Willie and the tour manager and Amy and Snoop. There was only a few of us on the bus at the time, but I was sort of like a fly on the wall. It was like, yeah. a, you know, they both said hello to me and stuff, but it was like, they were having a moment. It wasn't about me. Um, but the two of them smoked from the vaporizer and, uh, but can you imagine how strong and intense, like I can't even handle, I'm such a wuss when, when it comes to weed, like I can't even handle like like the crappiest shake or whatever. Like, you know, I, I just don't even do it anymore when I did it when I was younger, but it just, I get weird and anxious and paranoid and twitchy. So I just oh, don't I do it. So I, I would have lost my mind. I would have like, it would have so ruined my day on that, on that bus. You just be like, am I talking out loud or just thinking these thoughts? I know. <laughs> I know. No, I, I, it reminds me of another time I was backstage at the Ottawa folk festival and we'd played with uh, Bonnie Vare. And I'd met Justin Vernon a handful of times and, you know, his, his whole gang is like super chronic, like the whole band oh, really? and his tour manager, like everyone, they're just passing around joints like crazy. And I guess like, you know, some fans that were also pot growers or whatever came and it's like this huge Ziploc of weed that they were just like gifting to the Bonnie Bear crew. <clears throat> and so they're all just like puffing away. And, you know, eventually a joint gets passed my way and I was like, ah, you know, what the heck? Why not? Let's go for it. You know, what's the worst that could happen? Well, it turns out the worst that could happen is I could stand there for like an hour saying nothing at all and just like weirdly staring at everyone as they 
hung out and chit-chatted. And the whole time doing that the thing you just talked about, which is, did I did I think that or did I say that thought? Am I and then you go, wait, did I just think the question of am I thinking it or am I talking out loud right now? But I was so high. It ruined the night. And and honestly, like, you know, full of regret in a way, because you're like, oh, this is my chance to hang out with Justin Vernon. He's like a really cool dude. And you know, wouldn't it be great if we were, you know, closer buds or whatever? Um and uh, I just became a weird, silent weirdo, you know. But I did go back to the hotel and I wrote a song uh, called Forgettery, which I think is a good song. So there's that, you know. And that right there is why we do this podcast. The random story about yeah. getting high with the Bon Iver crew led to. Led to the song, song Forgettery. There you go. Yeah, for real. That's 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 it. That's a good example. And there's no segue for this. Um, Lieutenant Dan or Dapper Dan? Um, I I can't remember who Dapper Dan is. Dapper Dan is the product. It's the hair pomade that Clooney's character uses in uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I'm a Dapper Dan man. Right, 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 right. Um, I mean, Lieutenant Dan's pretty iconic. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I'll go Lieutenant Dan. But I mean, God, Cohen Brothers just unfallible infallible. There's you know, yeah. they always nail it. That movie's incredible. I think you know what? Probably Oh Brother Where Art Thou can be blamed for so much music. Like mo like yeah. my music back, you know, um my sort of I'm Luke glad Garassi. you said that, yeah. by the way. <laughs> yeah. Like my you know, my early music or, you know, especially like Nice, Nice, Very Nice, the even Robots, you know, or, mm -hmm. or Sold, let's say, another song on that record, very bluegrass twang to it. And there was a moment where like every folk festival had just like so many bluegrass bands. It was like this moment and, and then it percolated and then it became Mumford and Sons and, you know, but probably Ava Brothers, and Ava Brothers um, Old Crow Medicine Show. Yeah. Uh, and then you fast forward a bit and you get the Lumineers and you get, um, you know, uh, of Monsters and Men and sort of like folk revival in the big pop. Like you have folk bands playing to like 30,000 people a night in stadiums and stuff, which is just crazy. I, um, oh, go go ahead. No, Sorry. No, no, please. I was going to say that I um, was in New York and Brooklyn in that time of like 2006 where that was the shit like mm -hmm. every hipster in brooklyn looked like they could just be in the dust bowl yeah there was like it was like wearing vests and feathers yeah. in their caps and it was very like old timey and everyone felt like like that they were like like they they boxed like this you know what i mean like with yeah. angelists <laughs> yeah like the sort of that like vertical with your fist pointing up toward the ceiling and you're sort of like like oh my lady you know um <laughs> Who will win this challenge? Um, very, yeah, very Brooklyn circa like 1914 or something like that, <laughs> you know. Oh, we're having a good time. Okay, more Dan's. Dan Aykroyd or Dan Levy? Oh, man. I love Dan Levy, and I think that Schitt's Creek is awesome, but I got to go with Dan Aykroyd. I mean, yeah. Guys, legend. 
it's a comedy past and comedy you know present almost yeah and when you're when you're talking about the the comedian that you grow up with you know it's kind of hard nothing can really beat that because it's so ingrained in your nostalgic being so on your instagram i see you with a lot of comedians just palling around um and we we abby and i have a lot of friends who are you know crossover comedians and musicians and I have to ask because not many people know him, but he's brilliant. Do you know who John Doerr is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great. I fucking love John Doerr, man. That guy is so funny. He's really, really good. Yeah. Um, I've never met him, but I do. I do know. And yeah. I think I've watched some. He has a. He has a, that film about sleepwalking, didn't he? That was him, I think. Um, yeah, he's great. Um, but I, back in like 2012. I was in Los Angeles. I put out a record called Out of Fortune. And uh, I got sort of like a briefing from my publicist. And it was like, okay, you got to go to this address at this time. You're going to be a po- on a podcast called Comedy Bang Bang. I'd never heard of Comedy Bang Bang. I had no idea who Scott Ackerman was or what the podcast was. And I walk in there and there's Sarah Silverman and Nick Kroll. And I was like, what is going on? I didn't, I didn't actually know Nick Kroll, but I certainly knew Sarah Silverman. And um, there I was playing my like sad acoustic songs and then they would make it, you know, be really funny. And so that was sort of my introduction to the sort of LA comedy world. And then since then, I think I've been on Comedy Bang Bang like six or seven times in total. And um, Scott Ackerman has been such a champion and such a supporter. Anytime they have a show in Vancouver, they'll bring me up. And basically every time I go to LA, he'll try and have me on the show if they can and um so i it's 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 funny like i ended up um becoming like lauren lapkus's husband mike is like mm-hmm. one of my best friends in the whole world um played at their wedding um and that's totally wow. separate from like you know becoming friends with rain wilson or may martin it's like all these yeah, yeah but i don't know what it is or, or why i've been graced with this but there is sort of like a through line to the LA comedy world somehow and Paul F. Tompkins and stuff, you know, these people have sort of become familiar to me over the years and they're so funny. Like they're like, you know, that they're funny, like, you know, just yeah. because they're comedians, but you kind of hang out with them for a little while and you're just like, God, these people are just next level. And then you get on stage with them and it's like, man, you gotta be quick. Like they're just so fast and so funny and so cutting. And the thing is, is that like, I'm like, I, I have a sense of humor. I'm not unfunny, but I'm not professionally funny. Like I'm a, I'm professionally musical, Yeah. you know, but they are professionally funny. So if you, if you're on stage with them and you're like trying to suck up airtime and be the funny one on stage, you're dead. Like you're dead. It's like you're sunk. And so you have to just like, let them do their thing. And every now and then you can kind of like, if you can just pop into the conversation and say something that's even marginally funny, that's a big success. But there was one time when I got like a full belly laugh from Scott Ackerman, which was, you know, amazing. Like the guy, he knows every comedian in the world. Yeah. Um, and he's not an, he's not an easy laugh. Um, but there was just one time that I remember that I like really made him laugh. And I, I, uh, I will cherish that moment. That's a good memory. Oh my goodness. 
it's just such a small world. I can't. Okay. So let me go back to what you were saying to make someone of that caliber laugh. I think I would just, that's when I would crawl in the basement and never come out. Cause you're like, I can't, <laughs> I can't top it. And, um, we've had a friend of Scott. We we've had David cross on the podcast twice. Oh, yeah. Amazing. And I again, love David cross. Oh, he's so never met him. I would love to meet him. So, so nice. Um, Again, he has the switch, but he's on stage or on a pod where he turns it right. on, you know. Um, and I don't know where I was going with this, but oh, this is where I was going to go. Um, are you going to be in LA in April? Uh, I will be in LA in at the end of January. Why? What's happening in April? Well, we did a live show in LA last year and it was loads of fun. And we also have friends in LA and New York who are comedians and musicians and shit, like I said. And, um, Abby and I are just planning ahead and we're like, okay, mm. we're wrapping our head around the tour next year. And um, there is an Iggy pop show in April that we want to go to. So we're trying to time it uh, to that. And we're just going to call some buds. So I don't know. That's great. <laughs> we're like if you were there, it'd be perfect. Cause you well, might know. I'm playing February 3rd. At the Moroccan Lounge in LA, just we've been there. We went. Just out. my, just gonna play on my own, uh, sort of like an evening with Dan rather than a full band thing, and I'm just gonna take requests and tell stories all night. And, um, but if you have some LA friends, you know, in the comedy world, you should get them out. Tell them, tell them about the show. One hundred percent. We'll blast it out on our, our social and shit too. Uh, we saw Rural Alberta Advantage there in in May when we were there. Good Canadian band. Great mm -hmm. Canadian band. We saw them, and then the next day they canceled their tour. So we got <laughs> Ooh, to see. Good. <laughs> yeah, they, there was someone still got masks. COVID. Yeah, yeah, still kind of masky. And mm -hmm. they were like, oh, we're so happy to be on tour. COVID's behind us in the very next day. Yeah. Brutal. Brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Selfishly, I'm glad it happened the day after the show we were going to. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that that worked out. That venue is one of the ones where, like, all right, maybe we'll do it there. Like, may, that would be a fun venue. I've never been there, show. but I've heard that it's it's kind of the bomb. <clears throat> I thought it was kind of weird. Is it weird? Well, because there was like the bar and stuff in one room, and then the music was in the other. Oh, that's really perfect. Weird. You're describing yeah. a perfect venue for him. For him. For, and for, for what you. we want too. That would be great. It no, that's me of that, New York that, a little bit. That's what they do in in Europe. Like in like in most venues in Europe, there's like a bar, and then you like walk through a door, and now you're in the venue, and it's perfect because then you can hold your drink, and shut the fuck up and listen to the show. Whereas what happens is that when the when the bar and the room are all in the same place, the clinking of the glassware, the, the hey, ordering. ordering a drink, it creates this small din of distraction and chit chat. And people standing at the bar waiting to order their drink or whatever, and they start chit-chatting. And it creates a small, like, little snowball at the top of a mountain. And if you let that snowball roll down the hill, it gets bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden, people are just talking, you know? And so, as a musician, you want to do everything you can to create a context where it would be awkward to start talking. And so, having the bar in a separate room, that's, that's like, ideal. Yeah, I never thought of it from that perspective. Oh. Now, now I like it more. 
<laughs> I do too. I don't drink, so that's perfect for me. You know, I don't even need to go out there. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. You're going to like it. I think you'll like that place. It is in the middle. It, where it's at is a little, a little weird, but it's, it, it's cool, but it's a little bit out there. Hmm. Um, have, when's the last thing, last time you stole something? A la hmm. the album Thief. <laughs> uh, um ooh, what did i steal i stole something recently uh i was at a, a gas station in europe on this last tour and um it was like in a lot of the rest stations in in europe there's like kind of like these long like it's a gas station but it's also sort of a restaurant and it's also you know um and i i just went and bought a bottle of water which is not great but you know, I didn't have any other option at the moment. And I <clears throat> took a bottle of water and I went up to the counter to try and pay for it. And I stood there and like looked around probably for like three or four minutes, just standing there waiting for someone to come. And I was like, hello, you know, and somebody was kind of around the corner talking to someone. And they, anyways, eventually I was like, okay, this water belongs to me now. I'm going. <laughs> that, was, that was the last thing I stole. I, li I like it. I like it a lot. Um, do you ever plan on writing a book? Uh, I do. Yeah. It's, I don't, I don't know what, it, what it's going to be about, but I feel like that is a natural thing for me to do. I, I studied English literature and university and that was my degree. <clears throat> Obviously, you know, that has influenced my songwriting, but I've always felt, and I have some author friends, you know, and I talk about it. I like a publisher actually reached out recently asking if I wanted to do something. And I said, I wasn't ready yet, but I think that like, that's like a mid forties thing for me. Fair. Yeah. That's fair. But I think it's like five years down the road. It seems very natural. Your, your lyrics are amazing. And, and now getting, talking to you, um, your vocabulary, your, your storytelling is, yeah. Metaphors. Too many metaphors. I can't wait to, it's going to be called metaphors. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, that's kind. Thank you. I, I, I think it would be fun. Uh, and I, I like the challenge of a huge project that takes like years to finish. I can't wait for, to buy it, put it on my like nightstand or wherever. And then just, it keeps moving in this <laughs> stack until inspiration strikes like a stack I, of books that grows uh, and gathers dust beside the bed yeah it yeah. moves a little bit but it never diminishes I know. past a certain point and i'm looking at just oh, to my left here just so many books i know i keep buying them and they just keep buying you know. them i can't i can't stop there are there are worse vices in the world though yeah um okay what do you call the sound of a musician moving his his or her fingers up the frets uh that would be called fret noise fret noise not very original or you know creative but yeah, yeah. i thought there was gonna be something like like the kind of like like yes. this like the this noise here once this noise yes yeah so as someone who makes the records how do you feel about the noise uh other is yours anyone's uh in every facet of recording songs um 
there is a, a certain amount of imperfection that is required to make something great. Um, if it is edited and, you know, completely chopped to bits and removed of anything remotely human, uh, you will end up with something that sounds clinical and dead. Um, however, you know, it's, if it's distracting or if it's just bad, then it has to be worked with and, and, you know, adjusted. So I think that like, whether you're talking about fret noise or like chair squeaks or a little, you know, yeah. lip noises or whatever it is. Um, I think that you have to, you have to know in your gut the right amount to leave in and yeah. the right amount to, to withdraw. And in doing so, hopefully that, that is like honing your skill of coming to some kind of product that feels professional and polished and together, but still retaining that sense of human you know because nothing in 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 life like literally nothing in life is perfect and so why try to create art that is that because the, the only reason why anyone makes art in general maybe not the only reason but one of the big reasons is to create a sense of you know oneness or, or unity between people experiencing their disparate existential you know fuckery or whatever and so you send up your smoke signal someone else sees that smoke signal they go oh wow i feel the same way both parties are less alone for having participated in this exchange and so if what you're putting it's like um solidarity it's, like, it's solidarity it's like when you, you know if all you're doing is like perfect pictures of your perfect life on instagram it's compelling but it takes about two seconds to be like oh this person's full of shit yeah you know and so it's the same thing with any kind of output. It's like if it if it's inauthentic because it's so perfect and poised and you know sort of like postured, then you've lost a sense. Then you've lost that unity. Now now you're now you're advertising something that doesn't exist. You're advertising a sort of perfectness that is uh, uh, disingenuous. That was such a Dan answer, or uh, or hold it, hold it, a dancer. Dancer, yeah. Damn, I knew <laughs> that was all, such a. That's a great answer, man. I I can't ask the next question now, <laughs> Abby. Can you see the next question? Because I can't, I don't want to ask it after that profound response. Correct. So we're just gonna ask if you've ever played paintball. Uh, I have. Yeah. I went to a birthday party when I was about 11 years old. And uh, I was the only time I ever played paintball. And my, my big memory is I was up in this tower and I was kind of like trying to snipe people and stuff. And my, my friends, like, you know, probably pushing 60 year old dad um, was out there, you know, playing paintball as well. And I, you know, I kind of saw him come around a corner and I, and I got him right in the side of the knee and I will never forget the sound he made, which was sort of like, ah! I, I see it. I see it. So, and, and like his, he just buckled, like he just went down and I never said a word. Like I, like he, like 
he was totally limping like the rest of the day and stuff. Oh. And I never, I never said a word. I never like outed myself as being the perpetrator of his injury. But is that yeah. one of those things you like wake up at three in the morning? You're like, oh, remember that time I shot my friend's dad with paintball gun and didn't say anything? Totally. Although like, I mean, I feel bad that he was hurt, but I, I don't feel like I did anything unethical. You know, like True. No, he, he was, was out there. He knew what he knew. Yeah. He knew what he was getting into. And, you know, paintball is yeah. kind of terrifying in a way. I, like, I've never I, done it. Never done it. <clears throat> I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to encourage you to do it or not. But I think it's like one of those activities that probably seems like, uh, oh, that's for like rednecks or something like that until you do it. And you're like, this is so fun. You know, okay. um, there's probably a lot of activities like that. I'm going to, I wasn't going to say this joke, but I'm going to say this joke. You popped a cap in his, in his kneecap. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I or can't you could turn it off. You, you could, you could just, eyes. you could just say I popped a cap. Yes. Yes. Uh, context. Oh man. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go back to the dumb question. We, we're almost done here, but okay. Brushing your teeth or wiping your butt. You have to give up one forever. What should it be? This is like a classic would you rather. Um, this is to... uh, hard-hitting journalism at its best. You know? I mean, if you don't wipe your... Okay, so is there a bidet available? <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to let you paint whatever picture you, you like. There's no rules on bothering the band. Okay, so... I'm going to say give up wiping your butt, but travel with a bidet, like a portable bidet. I don't even know if that exists. But then I'm not doing the wiping, but yet I'm not going to stink up a room. Because I feel like if you don't ever brush your teeth, nobody's going to want to come near you. You're gonna... It's tough. That's tough. And that was another good dancer as well. Yeah. Or, you know, hop in the shower after. True. Plan your poops around showers. I don't know. Okay. Um, did you know Scott Hutchison? I met him just one time uh, at Glastonbury, probably oh, the okay. same Glastonbury where I met Snoop Dogg. Um, yeah, he, we he, the band was just kind of hanging out on a hill and uh, we had a mutual friend and we just chatted for a few minutes. Um, but we had a lot, I, I didn't know him very well, but he, they had done a bunch of touring with Winter Sleep, who were good mm -hmm. buddies of mine. Uh, and also with Broken Social Scene, who are, I'm quite close mm -hmm. with. So <clears throat> there was um, there was a lot of mutual pals and sort of you know s small world connections. Yeah, we um, another reason we started this pod, it, it, you know, it's half joking to be friends with our favorite musicians, but also we're just music like sponges. And man, Frightened Rabbit was so good. Yeah, great band. <sighs> Great Man. band. Yeah. That, that was just my little geeky. Did you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's there. there I, I sent uh, in your corner, which to your listeners who maybe don't know, I wrote a song for Scott after he mm -hmm. took his life. Um, and the song is a response to their song, which is called the wood pile. And he sings, uh, would you come back to my corner? I spent too long alone tonight. So my song is called in your corner. Um, but I sent it to Grant Hutchison, Scott's brother, who played drums in the band and got just the most affirming, beautiful note back, you know, saying, oh, Scott would have loved this. And this totally captures the feeling of the woodpile. And 
you know, all that stuff. Um, cause you never know, right? You'd be like, Oh, you don't know if they're going to, how they're going to respond, you know, cause for them, it's a, it's, it's their brother, you know, it's like, they're, yeah. it's like a real life thing. It's not just like a guy in a band, you know, but we, we know that feeling to a small fraction of, i.e. reaching out to our favorite bands and be like, Hey, will you talk, come let us ask you about wiping butts. You know? Even when they stand you up. <laughs> well, then we just guilt them into coming back. You know? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is the best question. Do you follow us on Instagram? Oh, let me check. Avi hates this question. I love it. It's our opportunity um, to shoehorn in. Second time I've used that. Uh, everyone follow Bothering the Band on Instagram. And also everyone follow Dan Mangan Music on Instagram. Bothering the Band. Yeah. Followed. Done. Man, if you would have told like 2014 Ryan that this is happening, <laughs> he would have been like, crank up the verve. <laughs> or Get verve. in my car, drive around, Sirius XM. Yeah. Um, okay. What musician, live or dead, would you want to interview? Who? Um... I mean, God, it would be pretty great to interview John Lennon or um, Nina Simone. Oh, good one. I mean, my favorite band in the world is Radiohead. I've met met, um, Colin Greenwood and Ed O'Brien, but I've never met Tom. I'm kind of scared to meet him because he's kind of, I think if you meet him in the right context, he's wonderful but if you meet him in the wrong context and you're in public somewhere he has a reputation for being a bit of a curmudgeon um but uh oh my god yeah i would love i would love to get down in a conversation with tom york that'd be great okay so follow up in the vein of bothering the band are stupid questions what stupid question we know we could grasp all the serious music questions or mm-hmm. existential questions you would ask what stupid question or what stupid thing would you want to know about him um that's a good question what stupid question would i ask tom york want to play paintball <laughs> let's go do it um that's tricky what stupid question well i mean inherently you want to do like a stupid question that's still funny or yeah. pleasing somehow right you don't want it to just be a waste of his time of course um, of course you that's what we try to do where uh and, and you're a perfect example of this is asking one stupid question to get you to tell a different story yeah well and like you know thankfully you haven't asked the stupidest of stupid questions which sometimes gets asked when you like do like a morning talk show or something and like Boxers or briefs, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, Fighting you... the urge to be like, well, what is it? Yeah. I'll never tell. Um, Neither. Tom York. What is the stupid question I asked Tom York? I guess um, maybe like, I'd be curious, like, you know, what's his, what was his favorite, like, childhood 
Saturday morning TV show or something like that. It's a good one. That's a real good one. I hope it's Mr. Bean. It's probably going to be some British obscure show that I'd never heard of, you know, that was on in the sixties or whatever. So, yeah. Oh man. Um, so the new album, like I said, is, is, is great. And thank you. What's next for you? Um, I am, I'm actually been recording all day today. Um, working on some like reimaginings of the songs from being somewhere. Um, kind of like more like acoustic mm-hmm. versions. I mean that the record is pretty dynamically all over the place with lots of synthetic, you know, uh, instruments and program drums and stuff like that. So I'm going to do something a bit more organic, a little bit more, uh, singer songwritery, but sort of reimagine a bunch of those songs. Um, working on that and, uh, coming down to the States playing in LA, New York, and DC in January, February, and a few shows in Canada. And then probably a bunch more touring next year. Hopefully I can get down to the States a lot more. That's the plan. Florida, Wyoming. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man, I would love to. Never played in either of those states. Uh, So it's about time. Wyoming has less people than Canada. So probably not the best. I think Wyoming has less people than Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. So we finish every episode with a song. Um. What song do you want us to end this episode with? Um, you know what song I'm really excited about these days is "Easy" from the New York. Okay. Um, I think that that song is like a. I'm like I'm not going to reimagine that one because it's already kind of singer songwritery, but the the recording of it, the way that Drew produced it, I just I just love it. I love the like dead thump of the kick drum and when the bass comes in and it to use a young you know a young colloquial term it slaps oh there you go um but uh yeah no i i i'm really proud of that song i think it captured something and lyrically i think it's some of my best lyrics you know but uh yeah let's go with that well everyone this has been a dream come true go listen to being somewhere um Dan, we can't thank you enough. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. The words to end this escape me. So um, you got to hang up or we. I'm going to just keep uh, fumbling <laughs> for words. Well, have a great time in LA. I hope you guys enjoy Iggy Pop. And uh, hopefully we'll see you in Florida or Wyoming someday. Thank you so yeah. much for, for having me.
Yeah, yeah, yeah. 